you're destined to fail when Bubba stands up and says, we'll be having a good lesson. Uh, but anyway, uh, is it Brother Curry? So uh, anyway, I won't ask you to preach, but uh, <laughs> Brother Melvin Curry, I believe, walked in on us. And if you don't know Brother Curry, uh, I encourage you to get to know him. He doesn't know me probably, but uh, uh, I'm Brother Curry uh, is a longtime gospel preacher and uh, has done a lot of good for the church. So um, <clears throat> anyway, good to see everyone. The, the pews are full. And uh, we have, you know, I've spent a number of years now preaching, and whenever I, I have the opportunity to preach, we, we've talked about our relationships and with each other and loving thy neighbor. That's one of the things we, we really need to work on. The, the Bible speaks a lot about that. This is, this is one of those probably traditional lessons that I probably grew up with a lot, and I've been meaning to kind of get back to that and, and preaching to that because... The whole council is, is what we need. And so I'll start the day, today's lesson on 1 Corinthians 10, verses 11 and 12. To discuss, now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instructions. Upon the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed as he not fall. He's talking about the Old Testament. It's been written for our instructions. It has... It's there so that we go back and we learn things and apply to our lives today. We do live under the New Testament. We do have to uh, abide by the counsel of the New Testament, but there's, there's wisdom and instructions and principles laid down in the Old Testament. And this morning, I want to turn back to Jeremiah, the seventh chapter. And in Jeremiah... The northern kingdom's been taken away and, and you know, in and, and 730 or 721, northern kingdom's taken away. And the Babylonians have come and taken over the Assyrians and the, the Babylonians are now marching towards Jerusalem. And Jeremiah is instructed here in the seventh chapter to go stand in the temple and to preach. And basically what was being said during this time is we have the temple we have the temple there god's going to take care of us and i think as as people of the lord's church i think we can be overconfident sometimes in that we we do have the right baptism i think we do get it right whenever we talk about worship i think we get a lot of things right but one of the most things that one of the items in our lives is time. And we can convince ourselves just as the children of Judah convince themselves that they have the temple, they have the Lord, they're right, and God's going to save us. I believe we can get to that point too. And over, over time, I think we can let our standards down. And we can, we can drift. And this is why we come together. That's why we come together and that's why we study. Why do we study? 
uh, I was studying this lesson and I, I, the nice thing is with the electronic versions, I'm, you know, I've got it stored on the web and, and I can see, wow, I've, I've read this, I've studied it because I've got it highlighted, I've got references different places, but you forget things and so you got to continue to study. But so, anyway, so we're going to turn back to, to God's wisdom of the old ages and we're going we're gonna to kind of get a story here that we're going to apply it back in the New Testament. So, uh, chapter 7 of Jeremiah, one of our, one of our major pro prophets there. And he, so we'll read this and, and talk about it as we go through. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate, <coughs> stand in the gate of the Lord's house, proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah who enter by the gates of the worship of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Notice there's a condition that he points out in verse 3. Amend your ways. Amend your deeds. He's telling if you want God's blessings, you got to be living this way. Now, God's blessings don't always come in the, in the form of riches. It doesn't always come in the forms that we want it. But God's blessings are there for us. And so, amend your ways. And here he's telling the children of Israel, he, the, the children of Judah, the southern kingdom, He'll let you live in this place. But what, there, what was happening was people were there with deceptive words. Do not trust in deceptive words saying, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. They were sitting there saying, hey, this is the temple of the Lord. God's going to protect us no matter what. Don't worry about all these things. Don't worry about what Jeremiah said. We have the temple of the Lord. Are we that way as Christians? We might have been getting it right 10 years ago. We might have been getting it right two years ago. But do we forget? In verse 5, he, he, he goes back. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly practice judgment, judgment between a man and his neighbor, talking about those relationships, so that's another point there. If you do not oppress the aliens, the orphans, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods of your own ruin, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. Verse 9, will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, and offer sacrifices to Baal and walk after other gods that you have not known? Then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered that you may do all these abominations. Verse, verse 11, I'm going to read it. Has this house which is called by my name become a den of robbers in your sight? 
Behold, I, even I, have sinned, declares the Lord. So the point is, is we want to go out, the children of Israel, the children of Judah, I keep saying Israel, they want to go out and live their life. They want to live selfish lives. They want to do what they want to do. And then whenever the Babylonian Empire are coming to fight and to overcome them, they're, they're going to say, they're going to run to the temple and say, protect us, God. Protect us. And as us Christians, do we do that? Because Christianity is not a silo religion. It was not a silo religion back during God's time. You could not go out here and murder and commit adultery. You could not go out here and mistreat orphans and take not take care of them. And then come in Judah's time on Saturday and come worship and everything be right. And we Christians, we can't do that. And that's what he's saying. You can't depend on this. Verse 12, But go now to my place, which was shallow, where I made my name dwell at the first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people. Now, there's going to be other lessons that's going to follow on shallow. I'm not going to go and understand shallow today. But what he's trying to show here that there's people inside Judah that's, that's saying, we've got the temple, we've got the temple, we've got God, it doesn't matter. And Jeremiah's sitting here saying, let me point you back to Shiloh. So if you turn, and this is a very important point, and I'm not, so, I'm not going to go into Shiloh and the cause and effect, but I'm just going to point out here, he's showing you better go back to Shiloh because I will the Lord is saying, I will destroy my own house. In 1 Samuel, the fourth chapter, verses 11 through 18. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. The sons of Eli are now dead. The ark of the covenant is taken by the Philistines. Verse 18 when he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell off the seat backwards beside the gate. His neck was broken and died. And he was very old and heavy. Thus, he judged Israel 40 years. The point is, is here's an example in Judah's history that Jeremiah the prophet's pointing out. You had it right. You got it wrong. I told you to repent. And you didn't repent. And I destroyed, uh, he changed his place of worship. Now we know that Shiloh was the first place that Israel worshiped. They set up tent. But the Ark of the Covenant was stolen by the Philistines. Now we have a great story told about that Ark of the Covenant and how it comes back. There's, there's great stories here. And I'm not going to go into that. But the whole point is, is he brings up Shiloh to remind them. You had it, but you can't lose it. Verse 13, and now because you have done all these things, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear. And I called you, but you did not answer. 
Notice, this is the beauty of Christianity. This is the beauty of the God that we, we serve. We can go out here, we can do all these things. We can, we can do some of the greatest sins and atrocities. But notice that God hears, I spoke to you rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear. He was calling them back. And I called you, but you did not answer. God is always calling us. God wants us to be faithful. God's always going to deliver a message to us. If we are, and notice here, notice here, uh, they did not hear. You know, we can we can read all through the we can find a number of passages where God destroyed them that for lack of knowledge. And sometimes we can get caught up in this world just as the children of Israel here were. But God is calling them. Therefore, verse 14, I will do to the to the house which is called by my name, in which you trust. And to the place which I gave you, your fathers, as I did to Shiloh. I will cast, verse 15, I will cast you out of my sight as I have cast out all your brothers, all the offspring of Ephraim. God demands our obedience. God will go to great lengths to call us back. God will do many things to help us to change our lives. But what he will not tolerate is us spitting in his face. And we as Christians, we have to work on that. I have to work on that. Because as time goes in my life, I become more confident in clay. I become more confident in what I do. I can justify. Oh, if you only knew the things I can justify in my mind. I can justify a lot of things. And that's what the children of Israel here done. They were out here murdering. They were committing adultery. Mistreating the orphans and widows. And they justified all that in their day-to-day -day life. Do we do that? We can do that very easily. I know. I don't know about y'all, but I can. I can justify many things in my mind. Now, whenever I get back into the scriptures, I know I'm wrong. So, that is what Jeremiah was preaching to them. And I tell you, sometimes I, I wonder about this, this continuum of time because we have such zeal for the Lord at certain times and then the devil uses time to take us away. And we have to be very mindful of that. We have to continue to be reworking ourselves. Go to, go to uh, John the 15th chapter. And so the truth here is, is aligned here with time and us changing and pruning ourselves. And Jesus 
is, is here using this passage. And he talks about, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so it may bear more fruit. So there's two things God's going to do. If you're not bearing fruit, if you're not in obedience, if you're not in God's will, he's going to prune you off. He, he's going to take you off. He's going to cut that limb off. But the ones of us that are, if we're trying and we're working at it, he's going to discipline us. He's going to help to improve us. But we've got to be there. We all understand this analogy. You ever suckered a plant? You know, if, if you don't know what suckers are, I don't want to get into it up here, but, uh, well, I don't know what the, there's probably a technical name for that. But, you know, I grew up calling them suckers. That's what I was trained everywhere. But, but uh, you sucker plants, if you've got a tomato plant and you've got a good branch coming out here, you're supposed to go by and there's a little branch that'll, that'll grow in between the good branch and the trunk. It doesn't produce fruit. It just takes up nutrients. It just grows a pretty a pretty little green thing. And you're supposed to go in there and sucker it out. And if we're not producing, if we're that part, it's, we're going to be taken out. And the ones that do bear fruit, he's going to prune and grow. Titus, the second chapter, verses 11 through 13. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men instructing us to deny ungodliness, worldly desires, and to live sensible, righteously, godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. God has given us grace. But notice, just like he's called the children of Judah, you got to live obediently. And notice here, he's... He's instructing them. You've got to put away ungodliness and worldly desires. I am king of someone who has worldly desires. As I always joke, I mean, it's, it's not a joke. It's, it's one of my things that I, I covet. You know, it's that 32-foot twin engine, 300 you know, it's going to be a 600 horsepower. Those are worldly desires. Do we let them get in the way of our Lord and Savior and our work? Now, sometimes the Lord blesses us. We can have nice things. But if that gets in the way of me serving the Lord, then my covetousness has become sin. I mean, covetousness is sin. But we all have it. And so... We've got to deny ungodliness and we've got to deny our desires, our worldly desires. And we've got to live righteously and godly. That's what we're called to do. And those, those desires can be in many different ways. Some of those desires can be, can be good things, just, just as I mentioned. I just mentioned my, you know, I use my boat to bring my family together so I can have biblical scriptures but that we can talk and we can do things 
I got them captured on the Gulf. They can't go anywhere. They call it dad monologue. And I use those avenues. I use a hunting trip to teach and to grow my family. But the day that I decide it's, we've had bad weather for six days and on Sunday's the only day and I climb on that boat and I decide to go offshore to get fish. That's about me. That day I'm supposed to be worshiping God. And we all can get that selfishness. But God's grace, God has given us his grace. He's given us salvation. All he wants us to live righteously and godly. Revelations is a, is a good book to, to describe how we can, we can get there. We can be confident we're there. And as Christians, we can be confident. We, we, we have the one baptism. We have the one faith. I, I'm confident of that. But so did the church at Sardis. Revelations, the third chapter. To the angel of churches in Sardis, he who has seven spirits of God and seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Do we have a name? We're alive. But can we be dead? It obviously says this to the church of Sardis. It says, wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So re remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come. This is the same thoughts that we read back in Jeremiah. Notice God is giving the church at Sardis a warning. You think you're alive. You have a reputation that you're alive. But you're not. They had steered away from God's work. It's easy to do. How do I know that? Most of us have done it before. It takes time. God tests us. I'm embarrassed to say, I mean, y'all know what Heather, my daughter's going through, or most of you know. And I'm embarrassed to say that she, she, she's sending some texts back to Sandra and I, and she's saying, you know, why doesn't God just take Miss Kay? And Sandra and I are sitting here saying, well, we, you know, we didn't do it, you know, we didn't, we didn't teach some of this stuff. We didn't get all this. We thought we, we thought we got it. We thought, you know, our kids were part of death and our kids were part of suffering. And it's in those times, sometimes we're challenged. So I'm sitting there and said, have you told her this in the text? You know, have you, you know, and the good news is, is, you know, she's working through it. But those are challenging times. Those are things that test our faith. 
Because sometimes we don't go back and study the word of Job and understand that God's going that there's going to be tests there. We don't, we don't, God's way is not our ways, but we've got to have that faith that we're there. Because they sometimes, those events can impact our faith. Every one of us is going to meet that death. And how God takes us there is not up to me. Well, it can be up to me. I can be selfish and take my own life. But if I'm in service to God, I don't know how he's going to take me. He decided to take Elijah. But I can tell you there's other people I read in the New Testament that suffered greatly for their faith. I don't understand that. Well, I, I think I understand it, but I don't know if I truly understand until I get in that situation. But, but here's my faith. I know there's challenges, and I know God way, God's ways are not my ways. So we, we've got to do that. And so as we look at the church of Sardis, we see time. We see, we see events that's changed them. They've become uh, weak, but they've been called to repent. Notice God calls us to repentance all the time. He wants us to repent. He loves us. Few verses down, we have the church at Laodicea. To the angel of the church at Laodicea, right. I, verse 15 I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because I am rich, and you have become wealthy, and have need. And have, and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. White garments so that you may be clothed yourself that shame and nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. The church at Laodicea, they were not on fire for the Lord, and they wasn't cold. They were just there. We would, in our modern society, we would probably call that complacency. We've become complacent in our lives. We're not disciplining ourselves. We're not moving forward. We're not growing. Clay's not working on his temper. Clay's just said, my temper's good enough for the Lord. We're called to be growing and not to be lukewarm. But notice God is calling us to repentance. Just like he did in Jeremiah's time all the way through the Bible. The last passage I want to read and this is one of those this is one of those past this is one of those lessons that's not made to make you feel good it's not to make you it's making you to go home and to examine your life and this is this is one of those passages this last passage that I'm going to use to close with if it doesn't scare you if this passage does not scare you and make you think that I'm going to question how much you're reading your Bible and how much you're meditating. Turn to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. 
Hebrews 10, verse 26. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for us. Notice I go on sinning, sinning willfully. It is a, verse 27, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled, listen to this, has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace. There was judgment in the Old Testament. But whenever we trample the sacrifice of God's Son in our lives, you put your child up to die for this world. And then you see people trample it. Calling it's fictitious. It's, you know, it's just a story. And how we Christians who know the truth, and then we keep on sinning. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. And verse 31, that always rings in my ears. It is a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of the living God. I read my New Testament, and I know the things that I do in my life where I have to stand, and I have to stand firm. But I'm always, I'm always amazed at Paul. I'm always amazed when Paul was Saul and he was persecuting the church. Even while he persecuted the church, I'm amazed at what kind of man he is. And I'm amazed at when he became a Christian in his endeavor. But I think about that road to Damascus and how he hid his knees. And he was humble. No man humbled Paul. Notice no man humbled Paul. Paul... He was a force to be reckoned with because he had the faith that God was with him. But whenever he was before God on that road to Damascus, and I think about that, and I think about the fears I have in my life, and I think about on Judgment Day, whenever I got an answer for the things that I've done, I tremble. And we as Christians need to realize if we're going to trample underfoot Christ and his sacrifice, it's going to be a terrifying thing in judgment day. I give you this lesson because I think we all got to be reminded. Christ is love. Christ, God is love. God wants us Notice every one of these, almost every passage we read today, 
He said, repent. He didn't say, I'm going to destroy you. I'm tired of you. He kept, in Jeremiah, he called them. We have a whole book in Jeremiah of him calling his people back. Please come back. I will save you. Change your ways. The New Testament. Repent. Change your ways. And what does he do? He opens the door, but we have to walk through it. Every one of us has to walk through it. And don't let me sit up here and say I've got the answer. Guys, I, I've got a temper. I've got, I've got things that's wrong with me. Every one of us has got problems in our lives. But make sure we're studying God's word and that we're repenting and that we're not trampling underfoot God's sacrifice, God's grace. If there's anyone here that needs to obey the gospel, if there's anyone here that needs to repent of sins, we are here to help. We are a church, a congregation of God's people. We all got the same problem. We live in a sinful world, and we can be selfish. So we're here to help each other. Please come forward as we stand and sing. Great third